and welcome to another edition of the Club Tennis Podcast. We will be joined this week by Luke, who has just arrived. So hello, Luke. How are you doing? Hello, Charlie. I am all right, thanks. How are you? Not too bad. Um, we are back after a brief hiatus after the Australian Open. Um, I feel like we did pretty well at the Australian Open um, from our tips podcast that we put out there and some of the other bits and bobs we put out on the Twitter. We will find out about that from Luke in a second. But just to sort of say, we are here this week again for the return of the tour in Rotterdam, Buenos Aires and Delray Beach. Uh, we've got hardcore events at uh, Delray. I believe that's outdoor hard. We've got indoor hard over at Rotterdam and we've got the Golden Swing over in Buenos Aires on the clay. So it's one of those weird weeks where we have three different surfaces, basically. Um, very strange, very hard to call. Not one of my favourite weeks of the calendar, but nonetheless, here we are. Um, so we'll discuss a little bit about what that kind of change in surfaces and what that all means when we come towards our picks for this week and discussion about who we think might do might do quite well. Um, before we go through the recap, I think it would be quite nice just to chat through kind of um, what what happened. Actually, no, I've changed my mind. We're going to go through the recap first, and then we'll chat about kind of what happened last week in the in the tour when we didn't have a podcast, okay? So I'll hand over to Luke just to recap our, our Australian Open endeavours. Okay, um, well, quite, quite a lot to get through. I'll start with our kind of... Um, so my pick was um, Huesler to beat Millman, which lost. Um, which puts me at, at plus one for the season, two and one. Uh, Charlie had Bonzi to beat, I can't remember, Bellucci, I think it was, in round one. Um, it was my, minus 4.5 games, and that that lost, um, sadly. So that takes Charlie to minus three for the season. Um, and then Jack joined us um, for the first time, and he went for uh, Kubler minus 4.5 games against Byers, which came in, so he's starting the season at plus one. Um, now on to our kind of um, standard picks from, from the last podcast. Um, all of our accumulators lost. We had seven, seven winners, four losers. In terms of our outrights, um, I think both Charlie and Jack went for Medvedev, who went out in round three, I think. Um, I went for Taylor Fritz as my wild card, who went out in round two. Um, have a week. We all went for uh, Stefanos Sissipas, who had a had a really good fortnight, making the final there at fourteen to one. Um, so that's a that's an each way win for us. Um, and with um, what well, half a unit each way, a unit in total, then that gives you. And then uh, Mr. Jack Boring Murray went for Djokovic, which did return some profit in the form of zero point eight three units. Um, so in total for that episode, we were down 1.17 units. However, also, as we typically do with the slams, have some extra fun challenges that are kind of on our Twitter account. We kind of tweeted them out each day. Um, so we had a five-unit challenge. We're basically pretty self-explanatory. Each of us starts the event with five units. We We can spend them as we wish, and it's just a case of who can who can A, not, you, not lose all their units and can rack up the most profit. Um, Jack came out on top of that, ending with 6.41 units, so a small profit there. Um, 
And me and Charlie, some way behind. Charlie was on 1.25, and I was on 1.07. Um, have the, the tips past challenges? Like to say, this is a this is a weird one because everything I chose in that stupid tips challenge just didn't win. But my personal betting, I was up about like 11 or 12 units total by the end of the fortnight. Like I checked my um, I checked my sports bet statement from Australia over here. I was up 12. What was it? 1200, 1300, something around there, dollars. I did really well. I wish I could say the same. Um, but yeah, it was, it was the tips past challenge where we, we really shone, uh, Charlie and Jack in particular. Um, so that was where we, we picked a, a bet of around evens or, or around two if you deal with decimals um, each day. So it was either a one unit win or a one unit loss each day. Um, and Charlie on plus seven. Um, Jack was a narrow second on plus six. And then I was third on plus three. So I think we, we all did well to, to make profit there. And you and you and Jack with, with pretty sizable profit in, in that challenge. Yeah. And I mean, these, these tips of pass challenges as well are, are, are pretty tough because at the end of the day, if something is marked as evens or, or one-to-one, which is what we're kind of working at with this challenge, it's worth noting that at that point there, the bookies have the edge. There's always about a 10 or 15% inbuilt margin that the bookies give themselves. That's how they make profit um, from these, these betting sites. Um, and so if something's marked as a, as a 50, 50 odds, you're not getting 50, 50 on it. You're actually probably getting like 42, 58, that kind of territory. Um, so it's, it's never really in your favor when you're doing these tips, pass challenges. And in theory, therefore, the average punter should be losing more times than 50 50. Um, so to come out plus seven, plus eight or whatever it was, that's, that's a really big. Yeah. So yeah, well, well done to you and you and Jack there. And that's kind of the the end of the recap for, for the Aussie open. Yeah. Um, just, just to summarize then, um, do you, do you have sort of what, what we ended up in total kind of just overall as a podcast profit loss kind of thing? Yeah, so just from the <coughs> excuse me, just from the picks on on the podcast, we were down at one seven units, but that doesn't include the the unit challenge or the or the tips pass challenge. But that that includes yeah. our Do you, our accumulator picks. I was going to say it happened. Perhaps whilst I talk through my picks for the week, if you wanted to kind of just quickly add the two together and just work out what we ended up down, just. As a, as a whole, would that be possible? Add, add what together, sorry? So sort of like what we picked in the podcast plus potentially kind of like the the wins and losses from from the certain challenges and stuff. Um, I, can, I can try. If you can't, it's not a problem. It's not really that big a deal. Um, just sounds slightly depressing that we, we end on a negative with the Australian Open considering how much good stuff we put out there. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's totally cool. Um, anyway, I'm going to kick things off um, and talk about a little bit about what happened last week. Now, I'm going to be totally honest with everyone listening, um, all five of you, um, that uh, I didn't really watch much of last week. I quite frankly didn't care. Um, I was having a break, but I did follow some of the results here and there. So I know a little bit about kind of what's happened. Now, 
it looks like the results were a little bit random. And this is always the case when the tour ventures back to America, I think. Some of these American players who kind of just want to play in America and only do well there, John Isner, um, come out of their shells again um, after seemingly years of retirement. So um, John Isner made the final over there in Dallas, I think it was. Um, and he lost to first-time title winner, first-ever ATP winner from China, Yibing Wu, in a third-set tie-break that will go down in the ages, actually, to be fair. It was a bit of an epic. Um, so Yibing Wu is definitely someone to watch. We know that Jack Murray, another podcast host here, big fan of his. Uh, he moves very well. He's um, pretty solid off both wings, quite aggressive, uh, uses angles quite nicely as well. That was one thing I did notice watching the highlights of his match against Isner back was that he attacked aggressively on the angles to to kind of make it so that Isner couldn't retrieve using his big long levers, um, which I thought was really clever. Um, I think he lacks a serve, but we'll, we'll sort of see his development over the next few months and see whether or not he kind of amounts into what he potentially could be. Um, but really, really good week from both Isner and um, Yibing Wu. Um, that was in Dallas. Uh, I'm trying to remember what else there was. I know that Sinner won a title, I believe somewhere in Montpellier, maybe in France. I think he beat Maxime Cressy in the final. Cressy having a very good week, uh, beating Holger Rune in the semi-finals. But yep, Yannick Sinner just too good all week. Um, there was a bit of a standout there. Another French guy doing well in France, Arthur Fies. I think he made the, the semi-final, beat Bautista Agu on the way. Um, so watch out for him. He's a bit of a freak athlete type. Very, very fast, very good retriever and explosive behind first serve. Um, and well done for actually pronouncing his name right as well. Proud. I know, look at me, I'm a linguistic expert. Um, no, I know nothing about France or places in France or anything like that. Um, and I believe there was one other event which completely has evaded my mind called Dover. That was why, because it's on the clay and I don't care. Um, I'm trying to ignore that the golden swing exists because it's the worst swing of the whole season. Um, Seb Baez, I think if we'd done a podcast, not to kind of be captain hindsight here, but um, I probably would have gone with Baez to win that title because I just think he's, I literally think Baez is probably top top 10 on clay, really, I suppose, in the world. Um, I think he's head and shoulders of most of these guys playing these sort of events. Um, anyway, that kind of summarises last week. Oh, yeah, Correa made the final. That's who Baez beat. Um, sounds like Correa had a very good week. But once again, this is pretty much the only three weeks of the year when you would want to bet on Correa because, quite frankly, he's not winning on any other surface other than these slow clay courts over in South America. Um, anything you wanted to add just to that brief recap of this sort of last week's tennis, Luke? Um, not really. I guess um, the the week before that, there was there were no ATP events, but there were the Davis Cup playoffs as well. Um, I, I watched a bit of Gray against Colombia. Um, Dan Evans with a a very poor loss against Mclemayer, I think his name is. Um, yeah, that's that's correct. It isn't three set. Yeah, I mean. Could, Conditions are very, very strange. They have extreme altitude, I think 2,500 meters, which is kind of pretty much the highest you're going to get. Um, Non-pressurized ball as well is is really weird. It looked like he was really struggling to to control it. But he managed to... Oh, no, he had a good win in the doubles, and then luckily Cam Norrie um, took care of the rest on the singles front. 
noteworthy results. Finland knocking out Argentina. Um, and I think there are a couple of others that have, that have escaped my mind. But yeah, not the, the, pretty quiet two weeks, to be honest. I've, I've, been ta- I've also taken a bit of a break from kind of watching. I've, I've still been following, but yeah. Yeah, well, the Australian Open is obviously quite an intense time as a, as a tennis, uh, I don't even know what you'd call us at this point, pundits maybe. <laughs> um, it takes a lot of time to follow the result, document every single thing that happens, post on Twitter a lot. It just takes a lot out of you. So having that week off, I think, is quite nice for us. Um, it's a shame that we missed the um, the return to the ATP Tour last week, I guess. Um, but I'm not that bothered. The results looked pretty random. So, so oh, hey. Um, anyway, okay, yeah, moving for Oh, yeah, the other thing I was going to say, just adding on to what you said about the playing at altitude, um, I just it just makes me remember a funny tweet that um, Ivo Karlovic did once. Um, he put out a tweet that was like, anyone ask me any questions and I'll answer them all. Um, and somebody replied, how many um, Grand Slams do you think you'd have won if you were playing um, at altitude? And Ivo Karlovic said all of them. Um, so... That kind of just summarizes the the game styles that playing at altitude suits, and Dan Evans definitely isn't one of them. I mean, he's had a pretty terrible run of form anyway, but but just thought that was funny. Um, so moving moving onwards, then uh, this week we've got indoor hard at Rotterdam. It's not your traditional indoor hard court. It's a bit slower normally. Uh, the Rotterdam court, uh, from editions that I've watched, it's still going to be quick, but it's not going to be lightning fast like some of the indoor hards you might see. We've got Outdoor Hard in Delray, which I think actually probably will play quite similar to the Indoor Hard in Rotterdam. Maybe very marginally faster, depending on outdoor conditions, which I haven't seen much of. Um, I'm going to guess it's relatively hot over there at the moment in Delray. Um, And then obviously we've got the South American swing on the clay. Now that will be slow because of the surface. Um, But uh, again, hot conditions normally... Uh, these new breed of clay quarters who can hit through the surface will be the ones who succeed. Um, I'm just going to give a bit of a spoiler here in that I haven't bothered with anything on that clay because I think it's a lottery. I hate this swing. I once bet on Cam Norrie to win a match on the the golden swing and he lost love and two to Pedro Capuchin. So I just, I'm not going back there again. I'm too hurt. Um, so anyway, I have gone for a fourfold as my accumulator this week. Um, I've gone for Felix Alger Aliassim to beat Lorenzo Senega one to three. These are ideal um, conditions for Felix. Senego is a dangerous player on this kind of condition as well. You'll probably not like it because he does have the potential to upset. He did have a few good results on on surfaces like this. Most notably, he beat Djokovic once, and I believe in Vienna, um, he had a title actually I think um, in that run uh, last year on a similar kind of surface um, I believe he beat Bublik in the final um, so Sonego is a very dangerous player with a big serve and a big forehand but Felix moves very well that extra added half a second they'll have on each of his shots will just enable him to get that well, basically get his feet in the right place so that he can be set I feel like Felix is a very balanced player that once he's in the right position to hit the ball it kind of goes nuclear and he has that sustained pace once he's in that kind of spot that it's very hard to beat. His first serve is firing. I think he's going to be a danger this whole event, quite frankly. I think Felix is one to watch. So one to three there I've taken. Um, I've got Andre Rublev, again in Rotterdam, to beat um, Alex Dimonor. 
I think this is a simple matchup of Alex Demonor just shouldn't suit this kind of surface that well. Um, it's a bit slower, so he does have a little bit more chance to actually kind of get to the balls. I know he likes fast surfaces, um, but it always becomes a problem when it's that hyper-fast surface and he actually can't get there. Um, but uh, Andre Rublev will just blow him off the court. Andre Rublev is explosive off every shot, and as long as Andre isn't spraying the ball around, this is a matchup that he just won't lose. Um I've gone a little bit riskier here in Hubert Hercash to beat Bautista Gu. I actually really liked what I saw from Hercash at the Aussie Open, losing in five in a fifth-set tiebreak to quarter. I was actually live at that court when that happened. Um, but I thought he looked pretty good on the on the whole of that event. I think he served pretty well. He, he retrieved really well. I felt like he was pretty dominant when he got the chances. Moving forwards was a little bit shaky, I found. Didn't do it enough. Um but I think Bautista Gu is somebody who is just falling off a little bit now. I think this is probably the tail end of his career. I don't see him picking up that many wins. As I say, last week in a similar kind of uh, scenario, he lost to Arthur Fees. He was just another guy who's going to make a lot of balls um, and be explosive behind first serve. Very similar, actually, to Hubert Hercash. And at 8-13, to 13, I actually really like those odds. Hercash is someone in this kind of environment, always a danger for the whole whole event, for a title. Um, he can have those weeks where he just doesn't miss. And um, yeah, I, I quite like that price. I, I wouldn't be totally surprised if he lost, but um, I think that price is, is undercutting what it should be. Um, so I've gone for that. And then I've also got Ben Shelton at 8-11 to 11 to beat Marcus Giron. Now, that to me is a, <clears throat> is a very wrongly priced event. We're talking about two Americans in America playing on outdoor hard. This is sort of where both of them feel at home. So none of them are going to have kind of like a, a surface advantage or a home advantage. Um, ben Shelton, however, possesses way bigger weapons. He is not going to get broken by Marcus Giron, I wouldn't think. And if he does, it's not going to be every set. Um, and uh, Giron does not possess that much of a serve. Ben Shelton is going to get a few looks on return. He is not a bad mover, Ben Shelton. And given the form that Shelton's in, what an impressive Australian Open he had making the quarterfinals. Um, losing eventually to Tommy Paul, who is far better than Marcus Giron. Um, I don't know if he can use any sort of form that he's gained from there. He's gonna he's gonna kill Marcus Giron. Eight to eleven seems like a crazy price to me. Um, so that whole accumulator comes in at four point two to one. Now my tips of pass. I've not actually gone for one of those um, tips of pass. Just for anyone again who doesn't listen week on week, is just something that's roughly around the price of evens or or kind of neutral. Uh, normally a handicap. So what I've gone for is I've looked at Rotterdam again, and I've seen uh, Zverev as one to two favorite against Sunru Kwon. Kwon's a very difficult player if you're not in form. He is actually pretty aggressive for a small guy. Um, lacks a serve, which is where he always falls down a bit. But he's a very good counter puncher, and I think he's going to basically force Zverev to overpress, maybe hurt him um, by by sort of hitting that big shot and exploiting the movement of Zverev at the moment, who who can't buy a wing, quite frankly. Um, and I'm going to go with Sumo Kwon plus 2.5 there. Um, I think uh, I can see Zverev losing again here. I, I think it's going to be a while before we get the normal Zverev back. Don't get me wrong. If Zverev was 80%, 90%, this would be 1 to 10. That's why it's 1 to 2 at the moment. So, yeah. Um, so that's my, my fourfold and my tips are passed there. Over to you, Luke. Is everything okay, Charlie? Do I, do I need to call someone? I know, it does hurt me saying this, but I mean, he hasn't won a match for a couple of months now. So I'm thinking that this probably is...
Yeah, I mean, I, I do agree. I think he did. He won a round at the Aussie Open, but if to to Michael Mo over five sets, he's at his best. Um, um, so yeah, I think Juan does does have a decent chance here. Um, yeah, I, I like a lot of what you've you've said. Um, I really hate he- betting on her cash, but I actually do think that that's quite a good price. I agree, Batista Goose looked very underwhelming for a while. Um, and I only see his ranking falling. So he usually does well in Dubai. He needs another good run there or something. Otherwise, I think his, his ranking is in, in a bit of trouble. Um, I'll get into my accumulator then. I've also taken Auger Aliassime to beat Senega at one to three. Um, Felix, a bit of an underwhelming, lost early in Adelaide and... Uh, third round, fourth round, maybe at the Aussie Open against Lahetchka. Um, but I think the conditions here really suit him. Um, he won the event last year, it was where he finally overcame that hurdle of getting the the first title. And throughout, throughout the course of 2022, he was one of the best players in the world on the indoor hard. If you look at his results, he went on a a, a very long winning streak at the end of the year on the indoors. It was very impressive in the Labour Cup. Um, won this event. I think he made the final of a, of another one in February. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think one to three is a decent price. As you say, Senego is dangerous, but um, for me, he, he still has too many c- kind of lapses in concentration that when you're playing against someone with, with a serve like Felix, um, you know, it's going to cost you one, one break in the, in the set is, is more than enough for, for Felix to take it. So I've gone for him at one to three. I've also gone for Rublev uh, to beat Dimonor at two to five. Um, Rublev, another formal winner here. And I just can't see Dimonor doing enough to, to put him under pressure, really. Um, he has a very poor record against top 10 players, um, Dimonor, and it's just because he doesn't, doesn't have kind of the weapons or, um, yeah, I mean, something like Courtcraft, which is something he does have, is, is not enough to beat someone like a Rublev, who, as you say, hits big off both sides, has a has a good enough serve. Um, and we know at, at 500 level in the past, Rublev's been a very consistent performer. I think he won like five in a row at one point or something ridiculous. Um, so we can guarantee that, you know, he's going to put in his maximum effort this week and probably be be tough to beat all week. Um, so yeah, I like that price at two to five. I will now be making the trip over to Argentina for my for my next two matches, which you'll not approve of. Um, but I've got I've gone for um Seb Baez to beat Dusan Lajevic at four to nine. Um Baez is someone who I have slated a lot on this podcast recently, um with good reason because his results have been terrible. But now he this is his time now. This is these are absolutely his conditions where he he makes his his money and points these really really slow conditions where it's an absolute grind fest out there and it's point especially against someone who's a is he's good at kind of you know picking his moment to to try and go for the winner when it's on um and you know hitting angles and um Manipulating the court, etc. Um, Lajevic is is 
been playing challenges um, recently and not been getting that good results. This is not the same player that that made the Monte Carlo final a few years ago. And I just think um, that buyers are definitely going to make him overpress. Um, and I think 4 to 9 is, is good odds there. Um, and then finally, I've gone for Federico Correa to beat um, Diaz Acosta at 4 to 7. Um, as you mentioned, Correa is in decent form. He won a challenger event um, the week before last and then carried it on this week, uh, last week, even uh, making the final of Cordova and pushed um, Bias to three sets. Um, similar to Bias, this, these slow conditions are really going to suit him. Someone who's very fit, very good mover. And Diaz Acosta is going to have to make a lot of balls to beat him. Uh, Costa is an Argentinian wild card, uh, left-handed, very, very powerful. Um, hits a lot of top spin, um, but I think, you know, these conditions are so slow that even um, with his power, he's going to have to work very hard over probably a match that's going to last a, a good few hours to to get past Correa and to do that consistently enough over three sets. I, I don't see it happening. Um, one, one dangerous that Corey spent a lot of time on court recently. Um, but last week he did benefit from a couple of retirement wins. So he didn't spend as long as maybe a standard kind of final run. Um, and I'm willing to take a, take a risk there at four to seven. Um, so to recap that fourfold, I've got Oje Aliassim to beat Senego at one to three. Rublev to beat Dibonor at two to five. Both of those in Rotterdam. And then Baez to beat Lajevic four to nine. And Correa to beat Diaz Acosta four to seven. Both of those are in Buenos Aires. That fourfold comes in at three point two three to one. Um, and then my tips to pass is going to be Rublev minus three point five games against Dimonor. Um, so I will. I'll keep going then. I'll just. I'll just do my outrights. Um, so Rotterdam. Um, Licky at the draw. The, the main threats here you have Sitsapas, the top seed, um, and then the second seed is Rublev right at the bottom. Other big names we've mentioned, such as Ojea Aliasim, uh, seed three, Herkash, seed five. You also have Daniel Medvedev um, there at seed six in the bottom half. You have Holger Runa lurking in the in the top half. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, sorry for that, by the way. My my app just completely died on me. I am still here. I will just quickly comment on what you said. Um, <clears throat> obviously, I like your picks. There's a huge number of overlap there um, between us. The only one I don't really like is where you ventured over to the, the Diaz Acosta in the clay swing, largely just because I don't want to go to the clay swing. But yeah, no, I like what you've said. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll carry on with my outrights then. Um, so for my outright, I've gone for, for sit player, um, at the moment of those playing in this draw had a really impressive, um, Australian swing unbeaten in the United cup, um, obviously making the final of the, of the Aussie open, not looking, uh, no one apart from Sinner actually, um, really pressed him that week, apart from obviously Djokovic, who beat him in the final. Um, Sinner is is a potential round two match, uh, which is could be tasty viewing and could be challenging for Sitsipas. Um But yes, I, I do think he's, he's the favourite to win the event, and I don't think those odds are terrible. 
Um, I'll I'll stay with Rotterdam um, for the moment because my wild card is Oji Aliassim at ten to one. I think those are great odds for for someone who's a really fantastic player on these indoor surfaces. Um, looking at the bottom half, you have Medvedev. Who knows what we'll get from Medvedev this week. Um, her catch is a bit of a danger as well. Um, I may be Riblev, but I'd I'd back Felix to beat both of those, to be honest, um, given what I've what we've seen from him in the last twelve months. I think ten to one, especially if you go each way there, is a is a really good price. Um I'll now move over to Buenos Aires. Um we have Carlos Alcraz that we, we haven't mentioned making his his return to the tour, his first tour year, having recovered from injury. Uh, we also have the likes of Cameron Norrie there um, and Lorenzo Musetti, who is who's my outright there at 10 to 1. Um, Musetti, very, very capable on this, um, on this clay surface. It's his favorite surface. And he is someone who does have the power to, to hit through anyone, even on Nations. Um, has a big serve as quite well, a fairly big serve, which will help him as well. Um, I think his hand on the net and his feel will help as well as, as on this surface drop shots drop shots are a are a very effective way to win points and quite often more effective than just kind of slugging it out from the back um, particularly against these kind of South American grinders um, he, he's in the opposite half to Alcraz who's obviously the clear favourite but we don't know how, what, what shape he's going to be in after his injury um, so I like Mercedes odds there at at ten. And worth noting that he did beat Alcraz last year in the the last event is Delray Beach. Um, really uninspiring draw this week, to be honest. It you take a couple of the, the top seeds out, and it it does look like a box standard American challenger. Um, I'm going to go for Tommy Paul at four to one. Not good odds, but obviously great form of the Aussie Open making the semis. Um, and there's a real lack of names that that should beat him, I think, this week, given his kind of all-round game style lends its well to most surfaces, and I think particularly this one um, in America. Um, so, yeah, Tommy Paul there at 4-1, not each way, just outright, and the same as Sitsapas, just outright. Then Musetti and Oje Alisim each way. Yeah, so it's funny. Um, we've we've overlapped a huge amount here. Um, I might as well just jump in straight away and say which ones we've overlapped on. Um, Delray Beach. I think Tommy Paul is overdue a title given the way that he's playing. Um, I believe he's only won one title before in Stockholm. I could be wrong there, but I think it's just the I one. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, I th- yeah, I think he's he's overdue another semi final at the Aussie Open. One of the most formed players that there is on the planet right now. Um, and these surfaces are exactly what he's going to make make mincemeat of these kind of challenger type players. I actually don't mind that price at four to one. It's going to be him or Fritz at the end of the day. So I think Tommy Paul has a great chance. Um, over on the clay, I don't really care that much. I've seen that Alcaraz is going to win the event, in my opinion. But his odds suck. They're like, what, 8 to 11 or 8 to 13 or something. Um, so look at the other half of the draw, in my opinion, and just take an each way on Cam Nori. I think he was like crazy, like six to one or something. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I think that's actually good value to be honest with you. So I'd, I'd go there. 
I'm not going to do it because I've been burnt by that before, as I say, but still. Over in Rotterdam, my outright is slightly different to yours. I'm going to go with Medvedev. Um, as you say, who knows what we're going to get from him, but he's unbeatable on this surface pretty much, unless your name's Novak Djokovic, if he's playing even close to his best. Uh, the serve is borderline unbreakable. I remember watching peak Medvedev against peak Zverev pretty much at Paris. Uh, oh my God, what a match it was. Like It was as if neither of them were ever going to lose serve. Um, so I think he's an obvious threat. Um, he's 10-3, to 3, which I actually don't hate that price. Uh, but then my wild card is the same again. I'm going for Felix. Um, same half as Medvedev, and I think one of those two wins that half. Um, so I'd probably say there's no point going each way on Medvedev. You'd probably just want to take that out, right? But each way on Felix is is not a terrible shout there at the the bigger price that he is. So um, so a huge amount of overlap there actually between the two of us. Um, so a lot of the time there we're we're ending up just with with the one unit on on an outright because we're picking the same things. Um, so yeah, um, I guess that's a positive sign to be honest with you when we agree on things, which we've agreed a lot today, which is not that common for us actually. So so well done. Um, anyway. Uh, that kind of brings us to the end of of this kind of Rotterdam, Delray Beach, and uh, Buenos Aires podcast. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to add before we before we round off, Luke? Um, I, I guess one one thing to mention: we have Dominic Team playing in uh, in Buenos Aires, and this is kind of you know Clay's historically been his best surface, even though he's won a Masters and and a Grand Slam on hard. Um, but I think I think the clay swing is is hopefully where we see team get back to his best. And I think if if he is ever going to get back into the kind of the the, the top ten in the upper echelons of the game, I think we kind of need to see something from him in these in these next few months, kind of before the French Open. Yeah, I, I personally think that team team may be cooked. I don't know. We'll see. Um, definitely not one to bet on at this time. We need to see more positivity and more positive results from him. Um, but yes, keep an eye on him. Keep an eye on his form. Because the second that he starts to show that he's a danger in these events, he's probably someone to be putting an each way on as an outright because it's that kind of thing that I wouldn't be looking at him as, as like a match-on-match basis, but more just that if he starts putting form together, he probably wins an event because he is that good. But it's uh, it's whether or not we get that team back. And that's a that's a big if. So yeah, good point there. Um, yeah, he has um just quickly he has Molchan in, in round one as well, which is uh, not not an easy challenge. Both both yours and Jack's um, predicted first time title winner. Yeah, I was going to say that's a stinker, really. Molchan on clay, not not a fun one if you're struggling. Somebody who gives you that lefty whip to that one handed backhand, and who's going to make a ton of balls, um, but prime team would be would be eating him for breakfast so let's see let's see interesting anyway maybe that's the one thing i'll tune into mm. on play um okay yeah we'll, we'll round it off there um time for me to get to the gym i think uh, but thank you for joining us luke uh, more than all right and uh we'll keep up to date on the twitter and and in other forms as well potentially on the website servingupclutch.com um follow our twitter handle at servingupclutch and anything that we post, obviously, please do interact with us. Let us know what you think. And we will obviously have a bit of a recap next week as to how this all went. So see you next week and good luck this week.